0: We're jumping in, the mics are live. I don't have an intro prepared for this. We're kind of just going to catch up and see where things are at with the podcast. The question that I wanted to start out with, though, is is we have to determine exactly what we're doing here. Is this a reboot? Is this a continuation? Or is this a remaster? I actually don't know yet. We're going to figure that out today. Uh, It's just myself and one other person. Uh, Previously, we've had four, but uh, today it's just me, Matt Lee. I've been uh, hosting for six episodes now, and we also have with me today Chase. Hey, everybody. Yeah, it's been quite a while. Definitely uh, glad to be back, though. It has. It has. So the first thing that I wanted to uh, to pose to you, Chase, is what what does this podcast today mean to you? It's been 15 months. It's been a long time. To be honest with you, A lot of the people listening, if you don't know us as well, may even be wondering if we're still friends or if we still talk to each other, or we know each other, but we can start off by answering that question. And the answer is yes, we absolutely still are. I feel like we're better friends than we even were back then, to be honest with you. There's been a lot that's going on. We'll kind of unpack some of that today. Uh, But but first, I wanted to, to pose the question to you, Chase. You know... Sitting here, what, is this, what
1: does this mean to you today? <laughs> so for me, this podcast is an opportunity to reconnect. Or I shouldn't say reconnect. We're still connected. But uh, you know, get together with you and talk through whatever's on our mind. Um, I loved doing this two years ago. So I'm hoping that we can kind of recapture some of that magic again. Uh, I think I had a, a blast doing it, obviously, now. We originally branded this podcast as recent college grads. Well, when you take two years of time after college, we're not really recent college grads anymore. So I don't know how we're going to figure out the, the branding and whatever we want to do there, but I, I'm excited. That is a
0: good point. We do have to kind of <laughs> rebrand. I, I, you know, it's funny because I, I listened back to the first Episode. I listened to episode one and I listened to episode six. To be honest with you, I think I'm actually going to to brand this as episode one again. Yeah. Um, regardless of if it is a reboot or a remaster, however we define it, uh, and, and the biggest reason for that is I do feel like in many ways this is a a different podcast now, and it's not just because we've decided to interpret it differently or we've decided to you know have a different. Schedule to it, even though that probably will be the case. I think the biggest thing for me is that, you know, we are all different people at this point. It's been been so interesting to kind of think about it because, you know, we didn't do that much preparation for this episode. I think we're just going to kind of go off the cuff. But one thing that I did look into, I was really curious, was the last time that we had recorded what the dates actually were and trying to Dial into a little bit about where we were in life and, and how that might have affected you know the content that we're producing. Um, yeah. And so the the interesting thing that was you know found to me is I'd actually remembered it as being before COVID. Uh, I for some reason I was thinking about that. It wasn't. It was it was during the pandemic, early on in the pandemic. The the episodes I think they range between uh, about June and August of of 2020. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that puts us back uh, 15, 16 months, somewhere in that time frame. Um, and a lot has changed really yeah. since then. Um, I guess, you know, it, we'll probably unpack some of these things uh, as we go along. But if, if we had to just kind of sum it up, you know, Chase, what, what do you feel is the biggest thing that is different in terms of your mindset
1: today than back then? Well... When we were recording last time, we were still in my college house at the university campus. And since then, I've moved twice. I moved back yeah. home. I moved back home for a period of time, stayed with my parents, saved up a little money, and then I built a home. And now I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm set out on my own. I'm living my adult life, I guess. I'm in a completely different mindset in terms of I'm definitely more into the industry that I, I you know, I've studied. And I feel like um, before, when we were recording this, we were kind of at that jumping off point. I would say at this point, I'm definitely over the edge or stepped off that ledge. Yeah. Yeah. And you
0: you did have the job that you have now, correct?
1: Yes, I was working that same. Well, so I started out at my company as an entry-level process engineer. And uh, about four months ago, I took a position managing... Uh, 14 quality technicians in my plant. They're scientists that test our product, and most of them are 30 years older than I am. So that's been a different experience. Definitely feel like I still coming to terms with managing people that are much older than me. But um, I think that that shift in career transition has been a, a big a big change in my life as well. Yeah, yeah. Did it feel like a different job when you started?
0: I mean, it's the same company; it's a different title, but how did that feel in comparison
1: to, you know, for example, switching companies? So I would say that uh, this change in career has definitely been a larger transition than most of my like company moves. You know, I, I went from a very large organization and transitioned to where I'm at now, and I was doing very similar things. Well, the, this new role that I'm in is completely different skill set. I'm still solving some engineering problems, um, but it's a lot more people-oriented, and I'm dealing with issues with my staff, whatever day-to-day things come up, internal conflicts, yeah. things like that. I would describe this a lot more like my coaching experience. I, For those of you who don't know, um, I've been a lacrosse coach for a very long time, and so... Uh, For me, I've been having to rely on my experience working with high school lacrosse players, uh, teaching them, mentoring them in my current role. I'm trying to build my staff kind of similar to how I would uh, coach up a high school student.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good outlook. If you kind of put it in that perspective, coaching is, is really about facilitating a team and putting them in the right positions to succeed. And in many ways, that's a similar idea with, with managing a team. There's just a lot more moving parts when it comes to the it, the inner workings of a company yeah. and kind of facilitating a, a success story within those, those confines is definitely something that's more complicated. But it doesn't necessarily have a, a different approach, especially on a fundamental level. So I think that's a really good point. Do you find yourself using a lot of the
1: same you know, techniques and and thought processes as when you were a coach? Yeah, so one of the biggest things when I was um, interviewing for my current job, uh, I was asked a lot about my management style, and my management style is almost directly my coaching style, which is that I firmly believe that everybody I work with and supervise has different needs. There's no one cookie-cutter approach. So when I was on the lacrosse field, A lacrosse goalie that I'm coaching uh, you know he might have different strengths and weaknesses to any of his teammates and I'm gonna have to hone his play style and mold him to something that suits him and facilitates his success and so that's another thing that I've kind of had to learn over the course of this career transition is when you when you become a manager um, your success or your personal fulfillment from work is very dependent on seeing other people succeed, you're you're the facilitator. You you need to be able to draw joy from your staff's success, essentially. Whereas when I was an engineer, it was I did this project, I made this happen, I'm getting the kudos. You know what I mean? There's Absolutely. a little bit of a, a shift in mindset there.
0: I think that's a that's a really insightful comment and and probably a good transition into into my comments on that topic I should I should really preface by saying that I I don't remember to be honest with you if I had known at the time that I was about to switch positions when I recorded that podcast I'd really have to listen back to determine that because I had switched jobs I, in about September of 2020 so that was right after we'd recorded that that episode that no longer is the last episode <laughs> but at the time was And before that, I was in a position that I would say most closely resembles a a sales engineer type position. There was a lot of front facing interaction with customers. I worked with for a a company that was a a sales company that worked with the manufacturers of analytical chemistry equipment. And so we would connect companies with labs if they were renovating a lab or building a new lab. And basically, my job was to connect them with the right equipment to meet their needs. And it was, it was really a sales-motivated position because, of course, you know mm-hmm. there was a kickback from, from those sales. And it was something that I was finding myself being potentially good at but very limited in the sense of I wasn't super motivated by the sales mindset. I think it's mm-hmm. something I had, I had started to kind of try to learn those things. I even read a few books about it. Was looking into the there's somebody by the name of Zig Ziglar who was Zig Ziglar yes Zig Ziglar who had written a couple books probably a lot of books but I'd only read a couple of his books and he was this very famous sales guy he was also a motivational speaker guy okay. he was the one who I it was funny because I learned a lot from him I think he was. Maybe I actually don't know if he's some controversial figure or something like that. I don't know his backstory, so I won't speak to his character beyond what I read in these books. But overall, what I learned from them was not only is sales something that I could have potentially gone into, uh, but it's also something that I didn't want to do because what it takes to be a good salesperson is not something that I, I found that I wanted to to become necessarily. Um, Just a a personal choice. So I did transition into process engineering. I worked for a company in the food industry um, for about 15, 16 months. I just recently started uh, working at the same company as Chase. so yep, now We're coworkers. coworkers. <laughs> yep, I have a position that he hadn't had before. So I, I am an engineer. I work in their quality department. And so we both work in quality. I'm an engineer there. He's a manager there. So this comparison is very direct. I also just realized after having talked through this, the time that I was at uh, Purist, that was the company in the food industry I was at, was almost exactly the same gap as between the last episode and this yeah one. it's so interesting to think about that but yeah it was pretty much exactly the same time that makes it feel even longer because I felt like I I did a lot while I was there and I learned a lot and it and especially in retrospect maybe not kind of in the moment but in retrospect it, it felt like a long time to me yeah um, but that's kind of a, a maybe a longer way of arriving at the context for originally commenting on what you had said, which is that management is different than engineering, and there's there's more ways than one, but one critical way is that you view other people's success kind of as your success with management, whereas engineering very self motivated. Yeah, uh, my experience will probably unfold here a little bit at our current company, but uh, I think one thing that i would say very briefly uh, is especially at the previous company i was at i felt very little oversight in terms of what i was doing and so therefore a lot of my accomplishments were in line kind of with what chase said where because i had very little direction anything that i did accomplish really did feel like something that was my accomplishment. That was something that I had mm-hmm. planned to do and executed. On the flip side of things, I didn't have anybody directly reporting to me. And so I was not providing that direction for other people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Chase, is there, is there, now that you've done both, is there something about either one of them that you
1: do miss after having left engineering or yeah, I can tell you, um, when I was a process engineer, I took a lot of joy at going out to the floor and interacting with the operators that are you know working on the process. Um, so that would be one thing. I don't get to do that as much. Management is, at least at our company, a lot of meetings. I sit in, in a, my office all day on calls. Um, but now it's a little different. I do get to interact daily with my staff. Uh, but there is... There's a difference uh, I, I can't really quite put my finger on it, but there is a difference in communication when you are somebody's supervisor as opposed to just this cool process engineer that appears once in a while like when I'm working with the operators when I was an engineer you know I was able to just view them as friends or almost like they're they're my peers um, whereas now as a manager there's maybe a guard that's up between um, you and your direct reports um, Matt I gotta say you know this this whole coworker thing I'm very excited about it I don't I want to get that across I'm, I'm oh, yes. thrilled and and I would say I, I feel like um, I think so far it's it's I hope you're having a good time would you maybe just talk to me about your initial uh thoughts on on my company and Absolutely. how you
0: I would love to do that
1: I guess I before I dive into
0: that a little bit I did want to kind of touch on that that note that you said about being happy to be coworkers and I I very much am even kind of just if if we take this podcast right now as just myself talking with Chase you know two yeah. friends together just talking about it I would say on air or off air that I am extremely happy to to be coworkers. And it's not something that when we were recording this previously I, I would have really taken as a serious possibility, at least in the short to medium term. Obviously with careers they're long. No idea in a five, ten year time span what's gonna happen. But mm-hmm. this this did happen and it's something that is is very, very cool to me. It it, it actually contributes a little bit to I do have somewhat of a personal belief that, in, in, in at least in some small way, things that are meant to happen do happen. Oh, and, yeah. And I think this was meant to happen. So even outside of my opinion of the new position, I felt before even starting it that this was a move that was the right move to make. And after having worked there for a few weeks now, I can I already am starting to feel that this definitely is a position that was the right move for me to make. There's a I'm lot glad to hear that. There's a lot. I've in my experience at this point and it's it is still limited after having only been in industry for almost three years now total. Or is it two? I think it's almost it's two, two years. Two, yeah uh, yeah. I was Feels giving like myself too time. much credit. It's two years. <laughs> but even after that I do feel that I've I've gained a lot of insight, in particular into what it is like to start at a new company and to kind of immerse yourself in what the job is going to be. I've started three positions since college and so I've You've moved I've around, been around quite a bit. Yeah, I've been around the block in terms of integrating myself into a new company. I I will say the first month And I would say month year. I haven't even been at my current position a month. So this journey is not over. But in any position, the first month is always mentally fatiguing, regardless of kind of where you're at. And part of the reason is because there's several factors that come up that are really unique to having started a new position. I think for me personally, the one that jumps out a lot is frequently having to introduce yourself and meet new people oh yeah i i just especially as somebody who is i i really enjoy talking i do think i'll go ahead and speak for both of us on the mic here right now I, i don't think we are the type of people that typically enjoy having to introduce ourselves all the time to to new people yeah um so that part of it is, is really, unless you work some job that you don't work with a lot of people or, or some unique thing, it's it's a constant. It's a universal constant and something that I always have to kind of keep in mind. When it comes to the tasks that I do, I do feel that this is something that I will really like doing. I think as mm-hmm. a company, and, and maybe we can speak freely here and, and just say what the company is. Do you feel
1: that? Yeah, luxurious? I think it's Go fine. ahead, yeah,
0: so the, the company is Henkel. Um, it's a big company. Uh, you can do your own research on it, but I'll, I'll speak to my experience. I really like, first and foremost, the, the culture that's been built at that company. And I say that on a few levels. I say that on the level of who is working there. I think they've put together an amazing team. They definitely have had some historical turnover, of course, especially yeah. in recent years. And so the team is not finalized, but I... I like the people that are there right now. I really do. I feel like they're driven people. They're smart people. And, and it's a team that is going to do great things, especially with some of the, the new faces around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, not Myself notwithstanding, but there's, there's other new people around too. And, and it does feel like a team that's kind of here to stay. Um,
1: yeah. And on that, on that culture piece, I don't know if you've gotten this feel yet, but one thing that struck me when I came to Henkel so I, I came, we're just gonna speak freely now. Yep. Um, I came from 3M. Many of you will probably be familiar with it if you're from Minnesota. It's one of the largest companies based out of Minnesota, uh, if not the largest. Um, and the thing about 3M was it was very clearly a large company. Yeah. As in, you were one tiny grain of sand on the beach there. Um, when I came to Henkel, specifically my plant, Henkel's still a very large company. It's an international organization. Uh, you know, they sell all over the world. They have many different facilities. But our plant is almost like a microcosm that feels very small. As in, you've got this kind of family business type feel to it. Um, I have kind of a sense of community with my coworkers at the plant. And so that really, really impressed me. I, you, You get the small company feel with large company funding
0: yeah totally i
1: I would be in complete agreement
0: with that after having worked at both i think part of it is and we should recognize here with 3m part of it is probably recognizing the position that we were in and so this is not the first time that chase and i have been co-workers (laughs) technically although i will say like like you mentioned when we were working at 3m we were working kind of in their research labs both of us were yeah their campus is so big that in pretty much every function except for our job title we were not co-workers. We we never interacted with each other at, unless it was intentional like going out to lunch or something like that. Yeah, We rarely even ran into each other in passing. So this really does feel like the first time that we are true co-workers in that Definitely. sense where we're we're on a part of a team that absolutely does feel like a small company plant. And I can say that with certainty after having worked at a genuine small company plant, it doesn't feel that much different, especially in the day-to-day. The team is small enough that people know each other, which kind of going back a little bit to my experience starting, that is probably a big contributor to why it was, in particular, a, a more difficult place to feel like i was i was meeting new people because it is such a tight-knit community those are always kind of harder to break into yeah as opposed to something like 3m well 3m is so big that not everybody knows each other even if they've been working there for decades and Mm -hmm. so you always kind of have this baseline of there's some degree of of stranger effect going on even for people that have been working there a while whereas that is not the case At The one thing that is interesting to me, and I actually think this has benefited the company a lot, is it is a small company feel, especially locally within the plant, but it's also part of a larger system at play. And and I don't think that is inherently a good or bad thing. In this case, I do feel it's a good thing, and it's manifested itself in a couple ways. Mm -hmm. The first one being the work-life balance culture at Henkel, I think is first and foremost driven by the company's overall mission to really care about the health of and well-being of the people who work there yeah Um, it's it's been surprising to me and very astonishing because in my previous position i i think part of it was not even intentionally uh, a negative thing but it, it did come across that way sometimes where it was a very competitive uh, motivation culture, I would say. And and what I mean by that is the team was close. We absolutely were close. We became friends throughout the time, but there was always kind of this underpinning of we are a small company. We have to claw our way to success as a company. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, what we will do to show each other how much we care about kind of propping each other up, especially as it relates to our careers is we will grind basically. There's really no other way to put it. It was a, it was a, well, how much do you care about this team? How passionate are you? If you are passionate, you will do what's needed. And in some cases doing what's needed was coming in really, really early or staying really, really late, you know, working a 15 hour day and those types of things being that we are salaried there wasn't any as as it related to any of our individual well-beings, there was no benefit to doing these things. It's not, if we worked a long day, we didn't take hours off the next day or, or anything. It was just done to show that we were committed to the mission that the company was doing. And so what that bred was this, it it, it, is, it is in retrospect a to toxicity but i have to emphasize that it didn't feel like that always while i was there it, my, it was really my first experience working in a manufacturing environment mm-hmm. and i i guess that was how i had sort of interpreted the entire the collective industry of manufacturing is that it's the type of industry where the grind is your success yeah. so it it had to be the grind but now i'm i'm starting to see and one of the things that that i've already noticed at Hankel is that productivity is is not associated necessarily with how many hours you put in yeah it is associated with how engaged you are so you can be engaged without working extra hours in fact i i think there's studies on this i, I if there was any article, I would have pulled in for this <laughs> for this podcast, and, and I, full disclosure, did not have any articles or, or even introductions. We didn't for prep today. anything. No, yeah. this is all off the cuff. But if there was any article, it would have been something really citing some data to back up what I'm saying here, because I'm certain, I'm certain that it's out there that the overall productivity of somebody. Even if you just isolate their work productivity and completely remove the effect it has on their well-being outside of work, I do feel would benefit the company as much or more if they feel like they are not being overworked and and are not feeling like work is is, is a treadmill where... There is never enough, you just do as much as you can physically stomach yeah. and then move
1: on. That type of thing. So Yeah, I definitely have a firm belief that time does not necessarily equate or putting in more time does not make somebody a better employee. I, I think that you can get a lot of non productive <laughs> work oh, done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. if you just try to stretch the hours and it, it almost when you have that culture of the grind, I guess, as we've defined it, um, things almost start to turn into a bit of a pissing match where, Oh, they do. Oh, this guy is staying until 6 p.m. I got to stay until 6 p.m. Otherwise, I'm the bad employee. You know what I mean? Like I- Absolutely. And that happens.
0: That happens. In In a lot of cases, there would be situations where one person would be staying, whether they had to or not, in some cases, there may have been legitimate reasons to stay, but what usually happened when that happened was there the rest of us would then feel kind of guilty about leaving., yeah. and so we would fill the time. now it wasn't it wasn't as bad as sitting there just waiting until they left so we could leave. We always had things to do. I, I think anybody who's been in a job before knows that there's 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 so many things going on all the time that you never leave with a, with a nice bow tied on all of your different projects and things to go. You know, there's always yeah. things to be doing. But what we found was that we would just kind of fill that time so that we could stay later, so that we could have the appearance of being as committed as the people who were staying late. And the part that was, I think, for me, the worst about that wasn't even missing out on the time in my normal life. Now, that was definitely an effect, but I'll be honest, at this point in my life, I don't have a, a family to go back to. I'm not, yeah. I, you know, I, I, both of us are kind of in and out of the dating world. That's a whole different <laughs> topic. But we do have some out of life commitments. But for the most part, in our free time, we are really just hanging out. Yep. And so it That's wasn't so much of a matter of I, I needed that time. But in the long run, I, I did need that time because what it was affecting was my chronic mental health at the time. Mm. And I didn't realize this transition until I sort of got out of it. But part of it, it, it goes deeper than just affecting how often I hung out with people. It was also a situation where if in the scenario where you stay late, let's say the default time for you to leave is 4 o'clock. Yeah. In the scenario where you stay until six, there are some things for you to do, but traditionally, if if the coworkers that you work with didn't stay late, you would have left at four. I, I think that's that, that was true in a lot of cases yeah. at my previous position, where the projects I was working on were at a point where all else equal, I would have put them down and picked them up the next day, not even out of laziness as much as we had worked an eight-hour day, if I wanted to do a good job on this project, I would have had to come back and probably done a better job on it after a good night's rest, that type of thing. Yeah. Now, what ended up happening was I would say, okay, I'm going to commit to another two hours of doing this. I will stay until 6. That had a number of negative impacts on me, not only because it made it so that during that time, I probably was not generating as good of work. It also really bled into my own self-esteem about what I was accomplishing at the company, and and what my worth was in terms of my overall productivity. Because not only were these things happening, I I was aware of in the moment that this work I'm doing is extraneous to to today. Yeah. I could be doing this tomorrow, whereas all my coworkers are doing things that they have the facade up of being important. In reality, it probably wasn't. It's probably something that could have waited. Now, of course, anybody who's been in a manufacturing environment knows there are some things that are time sensitive if oh, you're very responding much to an so. issue or things like that. So if we consider that maybe one person or even two people genuinely needed to be there at that time because of the time sensitive thing. Now, everybody else that stayed with them was just doing it to kind of match it and was also probably feeling bad about themselves if they were like me, because here I am kind of sitting there. In some cases, it was me that was staying for a needed reason. But if it wasn't, I just felt bad because I was like, what does this say about my position that there are some people that are essential right now and I'm just staying arbitrarily because I feel like I need to to meet this time. And so in that moment, on that day, I felt like I wasn't contributing as much to the team as everybody uh-huh. else. Now, looking back, even even after having experienced leaving and, and hearing about other people's outlook and perspective on what my role was, it was definitely ridiculous to think that. We all kind of averaged out to the same. I definitely was somebody who contributed a lot to the team. Yeah. But I absolutely believe that after having stayed late so many times I, that made me feel like I was contributing less, even though I stayed more hours. I feel like I was
1: contributing less to the team, which was an interesting effect. Yeah, and I can I can tell you from an outside perspective on your journey, Matt. Um, obviously, you joined the, your your small company, your grind company, and uh, this this podcast kind of fell it off did. the wagon completely. I will I will tell our viewers this is. Clearly, very much so matt's passion he, he I can see it, and so that obviously um, was heavily impacted by this this new work-life balance you had. I think our oh, yeah. friendship also was uh, was strained a little bit because I would just see, uh, I, I'd like message man, He's like, oh, I'm, I'm staying until 10 o'clock or I'm getting home at 11. Uh, I'm just, what are you doing during the week then? You need to stay till Sometimes 11. <laughs>
0: I wondered myself, and, and in combination with that, it wasn't just the hours at work. Yeah. I also had a long commute. I drove oh, yeah. about an hour and 15 minutes each way. And so that was another two and a half hours a day of driving yeah. so there were it was not uncommon and, and I want to emphasize here I don't even think this is unique to people that work there it's not like I was I was some exception within the, the confines of the company I worked at but for me there were some days when I would get up very early in the morning to try and arrive there by eight which of course doesn't sound that significant but when you have an hour and 15 minute commute It really is significant because you have to be out the door by quarter to seven. And that means if you want to eat breakfast or do something like that, which I'm definitely that type of person, I can't just roll out of bed and immediately get into the car. I was getting up close to six just to barely scrape by and get to work by eight. And normally getting to work by eight is something that is kind of a, a standard at these they're called nine-to-five jobs, but in my experience, getting there at eight is typically what yep. most people will do. I was going to say,
1: nine-to-five is sometimes referred to as banker's hours. At yeah, so exactly. You get in fact, <laughs> it,
0: yeah. Yeah, so, and it was the same way at, at my previous position. And what happened was I would be barely scraping by to get there by eight. I would roll in the people who were closer who lived closer and there weren't that many because this was well outside the cities. Most people didn't want to live that far. I think the minimum commute that I knew of was probably 30 or 40 minutes for the average person. There may, there were some exceptions, but all of us were kind of scraping to get there by eight. Mm -hmm. And, and then we were there. It was eight. You'd work your eight hour day. It would be four. Well, traditionally, this was kind of just the beginning. It was usually minimum five. If somebody happened to stay until an evening shift or something like that. And, and I ended up doing that at least a couple times a week. Now you're looking at staying there from eight to six or eight to seven, sometimes even eight. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if that happens now, all of a sudden you don't get back, you kind of get things together. You leave. It's eight 30. You get back. It's almost 10 by the time you get home. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden looking back your day was and I say you're here, but really I, I'm, I'm reliving it. So it was my <laughs> day at the time, my day was getting up, kind of getting out the door at, at a time that was somewhat reasonable and then getting back home and going to bed. And it, I'm not going to pretend like this is a unique su- situation in, in working class America. I'm sure that there are people who have it worse oh, yeah. than this. So I'm not even so much trying to play the victim here as I am Really trying to dial into my own experience about what I felt work was. Because in the age that we're at, we're still kind of discovering a lot about what it means to be working. We found some successes. We found some things that are are areas for us to learn. Yeah. And this was one where I struggled a lot with how I was supposed to learn out of this environment. Because while I probably did have the energy to keep that up and certainly did statistically i did it for for some number of months it did every day leave me thinking about even without a specific goal in mind and if you take something like the traditional goal of starting a family raising a family things like that well yeah. those are those are just out the door with the hours that i was working Um, unless you do situations where you have maybe somebody like a lot of daycare or a nanny or something like that. Okay. M- maybe you could make those hours work. But for the most part, I think for what most people would be looking for if they do want to settle down somewhere is a, li- a life balance that is far better than that. Mm-hmm. And so I always had that in the back of my mind, even though I'm also the type of personality that got very wrapped up in it. And I'll be honest, took pride in the fact that I was willing to do those things on a lot of days yeah. because there, and and I will kind of hearken here to, since I do have chase back in the room, there's, there's one moment that we talk about a lot and I don't remember if this came up on the podcast before, but it, it for some reason it stood out. There was a time during college when we were both up in one of the libraries oh till late will, at night. I will
1: never forget and, that night.
0: And this is such a good, I think, analogy for this mindset because in any objective respect, there was nothing good about that night. We were grinding on <laughs> It was horrible. Until 3 or 4 in the morning, yeah. whatever it was. And it wasn't fun. We weren't even having fun in the moment. And yet, you you get to the next day, you get to the next week, you look back on it, and I have nothing but positive feelings yeah. about that night. It's like,
1: this is amazing. It, it built a sense of camaraderie. I will never forget just... I mean, obviously, maybe this reflects poorly on us as students if we needed to stay up till 3 or 4 in the morning well, to, yeah. to get the work done. But I just distinctly remember leaving that library uh, at the U of M and walking back. I had a, you know, a, a few-mile walk back to my house, and it was dead silent, dead quiet. There was fresh snow on the ground. I was the only footprints through that snow. Now, the University of Minnesota... Is a very busy place. It's very, very, very rare to be the only one around. So that just that vision alone of just treading fresh, you know, fresh snow, being the only boot prints in it, is just emblazoned in my mind. It will probably be for a very, very long time. And I think that that experience, if anything, you know, it, it built our friendship to some extent and there's something intoxicating about working with somebody till that late. you're like we're we're in this together we're it sucks but we're getting through it together um, so I, I think that I, I can completely understand how you would be caught up in that to some extent in your in your position um, at the grind company I, I think you don't really get that paradigm shift or the uh, the perspective until you leave that situation and you realize oh wait i have four hours of free time after work now to do what I what I will with um, I, I think that that's definitely a good perspective to have when you're when you're shifting organizations you you get to see what what works what you want I guess my question for you would be would you ever would you ever go back to something like that not willingly no I especially and i'd like to think i guess
0: i can't say this with 100 percent certainty but i would like to think that i would be able to recognize that type of thing and, and actively avoid it I, if i answered that question right now it would be i very much like the place that i'm working at i have zero intention of of looking for anything else anytime soon so this would have to be an, a, a, a yeah. very in, a very hypothetical scenario if if i was to to leave and and find a different company, is that something I would look to avoid? The answer is absolutely yes. I think at this point in our life, more than ever, uh, that is going to be critical. There's even some context after having brought up that example and, and why I even to this day don't have that negative of an outlook on it. There is some context to kind of add to that for what value we were finding in that that I don't believe is really present when you do this type of thing through a company or for work. Uh, number one is and, and Chase hit on this, we we at the time when we were doing that were still kind of budding as friends, I think. You know, yeah. we'd known each other for a couple years and and really talked in class. We had, at that point I think started hanging out, probably playing Dungeons and Dragons, oh, that yeah. type of thing. But for the most part we were still in a phase where it meant a lot to us to have a moment like that to to bond together i think that if anything else was the part that i cling to today as why i don't regret that night Mm -hmm. at all i I don't i if in fact to be honest with you whatever procrastination led up to doing it (laughs) if i redid college i would intentionally procrastinate that particular time just so we could have that night again that being said I don't want to pretend like it's the same exact situation when you stay late at work, for example. Yeah. I think it's possible to, to have that if it is maybe a one-off night or some other reason comes up that makes it so that that particular night, you're staying there with somebody that you're close with, you're grinding on something, okay, maybe you can, you, you can come up with a scenario where it happens. But in a day-to-day space of working, having to feel an obligation to stay late whether it's from something that's forced that's in the moment and you have to react to it or it is just the pressure of other people staying late is not it's not the same type of bonding as what we were able to achieve in college yeah. it's it's different now I, I don't know how much different because truth be told you know we have been very I, I hope to say very good friends throughout the years now and and so even looking back, we see that there was extremely valuable turning points. And that was one of them in terms of Very us much becoming so. where we are today. Yeah. I don't know that there's as much of that specifically that as it relates to the company that I was at and becoming good friends, for example, with the people there, because companies are different. You know, you spend the entire day together anyway. You have eight hours a day. So if if what you need to bond with somebody is time at work, 40 hours is enough.
1: Yeah, definitely, you've more than enough time At some
0: point, you need to extend that into hanging out outside of work. I'm not at all suggesting that you can't become friends with coworkers. I think you can, absolutely, and, and you should. It makes work better. But I don't feel that in this case, working more than 40 hours is conducive to becoming better friends as coworkers. I do feel that doing things outside of work is probably the next step if you want to become better friends with your coworkers and definitely. And that's where I would say the fundamental difference was. And, and I guess to this day, I still would say I, I would definitely not want to go to a company where that type of thing happens again. If I could recreate an isolated event that was as cool in retrospect as that, then yes, yeah. I would want to do that. But you don't want to seek that out by seeking out a company that no, people work a lot about. Definitely not. That's just not
1: the way to do it. And I can say that, you know, I have had that kind of one-off event at Henkel that I look back on fondly where I like worked late and I'm like, oh, I'm a <laughs> yeah. real engineer. I I had a night, we were doing a qualification run. So for, for those, um, you know, over the air, uh, qualifications are typically introducing a change to the process like either we're running a new product for the first time or we're trying some different method of production um, and the engineer is typically very closely involved in that qualification I did not anticipate this night taking the entire night but basically you know I started my day go to work the qualification starts maybe at noon It didn't wrap up until 5 a.m. of the next day. So I'm leaving work, and our plant director at the time was a guy who would get there very, very early. He had this method to his madness where, you know, during the day, he's in eight hours of meetings from 8 to 4 nonstop. So he'd get there very early and get through some of his work. Well, he's coming in the building as I'm leaving and he just gives me this look and I will never forget that. He's like, What are you doing here? I'm like, I'm about to go home, go to bed, I'm not seeing you for the rest of the day and he just shook his head in approval and I'm like, That that one off experience was great. But if I had to do that every week consistently, I would lose my mind. So I mean I, I completely understand that, you know, those I, I think uh, Scarcity is a good, good thing. It here. is very yeah. good thing for those, those experiences, but it made me feel great. I'm like, man, I'm a real engineer. I just worked like a, what a 36 hour. A it's, day.
0: Addicting. it's addicting for, for people like us that are driven people. And really this is something that companies need to be careful of. And I would go so far as to say they, they really do need to think about this a lot of people who are engineers and certainly the people who are good engineers are driven people Uh, they're generally and i will generalize here i'm sure there's exceptions they are people that have even as early as school always been interested in getting good grades Mm -hmm. always been interested in doing what they can to set themselves up for a successful life and that is something that typically will manifest itself in a job as passion for what they're doing and there's if you have an employee who is passionate about what they're doing that's the best opportunity for a company in the world that's what they want but they do have to be careful with how they interact and and facilitate that passion because if we take a night like Chase staying all night, and and I should add that was staying all night. I did not stay all <laughs> night, except there probably was one or two times when I came close to staying that late. For the most part, we're talking like late into the evening type stuff. We're not talking staying all night. But even if you even if you isolate that and you and you think about for for a second, okay as somebody who, and Chase in this case is an actual manager, maybe this won't come up because he manages hourly people, but it, who knows? One day, maybe he will not be, or I will not be. So this is something that we'll think about too. Yeah. If you are managing people, and you have somebody who's very passionate, and they are forced to stay late to do something, how are you going to react to that? Well, there's a couple angles to it, and there's a trap you can fall into. And the the biggest trap in my mind is, congratulating them on staying late and and even if it's in good faith saying something along the lines of you are a very hard worker we're glad to have you here and by extension the that something like what you just did is an example of why you are such a good worker here and yeah. that is a dangerous statement it's because dangerous. it as much as it fuels that fire. So like Chase, for example, you said looking back on it, you kinda took some pride in your in oh, your willingness to do that. It was amazing. Right. Your manager could have capitalized on that and and how put you on a pedestal for being the engineer who is willing to do that. And yeah. and that's like it would feel good. It would be intoxicating, but oh, it would feel good. It's so, addicting. You, but that is the first step towards a company defining that as the standard. The for, grind. Yeah, yeah, for what is good. Yeah. It, it's why as as a manager, if when whatever ends up happening, if I ever am a manager of people who are salaried, and really I'll extend it to hourly people as well because yeah. I'm sure this could happen with overtime and paid overtime. Yeah, I have some the, thoughts on this. Yeah, too. I will always, always view people staying late as a failure of the company. I. It's not at all to say that I won't recognize people for putting in that time but I will say that in any case when people have to stay late if it is accompanied by not you know taking hours from somewhere else I guess you could maybe rephrase this as a working well more than what their their typical hours are yeah. a week if if that happens there's something that needs to be fixed structurally about the workflow at the company. Definitely. And and that's what we need to focus in on, not necessarily putting somebody up on a pedestal for doing what needs to be done because not everybody will do what needs to be done, that's true. And so people should be
1: recognized that is also true, but you have to contextualize yeah. these things. So Chase, yeah. what are your I, thoughts I, on that? I can tell you. I mean, I so I have some staff members uh, that are salaried, non-exempt, which essentially means that they are salaried employees but are eligible for overtime. Um, but basically, my point is when when those staff have to work a very long day, my typical approach, uh, if they're doing something that needs to be done, is to uh, you know thank them for doing that but then asking them what i can do to make their workload better so that they don't have feel the need to do that it's it's my own failing and so i might have to shuffle resources around or something along those lines so for me going forward obviously you don't want to to be mad at them for staying and doing that oh, of course but not you have to you have to recognize that, that was that was awesome thank you thank you for fulfilling that role and that that's dedication but we we shouldn't be encouraging that culture uh it's it's really counterproductive and you end up almost squashing that passion that somebody has i can imagine if you are caught up in that cycle of just constantly working that that long it 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 gets to wear people down definitely um shifting gears a little bit okay i have to i have to ask matt um you know this podcast, or I guess today, this episode, we're kind of trying to redefine or define what this is. Um, we've pretty much almost entirely talked about professional topics. Are we going to be a professional podcast or work-related podcast going forward? or how? I do think you... that's a possibility. I yeah. think it is something that will come up more
0: frequently. And, well, here's my answer to that, Chase, Yeah. is... One thing that I've thought about a lot lately is what motivates my personal interest in doing what you could call deep conversation or real talk, the type of thing yeah. that makes us passionate about talking about these things on a podcast. There are a lot of potential reasons to to do a podcast. I think some of them are good, some of them are not. In our case, the reason why i think we want to do this podcast and i I won't speak for everybody but i can definitely speak for myself is i very much enjoy the the bonding or or quality time that comes out of a honest reflection on the current state and the history of events that has led to where we are today as friends it's it's kind of a good outlook. There's even a lot of games, you know, we played truth or drink last night. There's a lot of games that are kind of inspired by that same motivation. And so, arriving at why we talked about the profession today. The the last time we recorded the podcast, we introduced ourselves as recent college grads. Yeah. We did spend a lot of time talking about our experience in college and and our experience starting as professionals. Yeah. We've, we've now been professionals for a couple of years now. The, so we've redefined kind of what that means to talk about the current state. But I, yeah. I think in, in many ways it is the same podcast in that we will be talking about the things that are on our mind and really trying to look at them through a critical lens and, and maybe even learn some things about ourselves along the way. True. I agree. Part of the reason why I think we talked a lot about professions today was because, at least as it relates to you, you, Chase, and myself, this is something that we have been thinking a lot about lately, and so we have a lot of thoughts to share. Definitely. Do I think this podcast is going to become a professional discussion podcast? The answer to that is honestly, at this point, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to be confined to that. I think what it will be is a show where we will come each week and try to give a snippet or whatever it is. I say week; it could be a month. You know, whenever it is, yeah, don't we, commit to a week yet. Uh, or I, I, it was more of a, a Freudian thing there. So the, whatever it is, if if we come back at all, yeah. it will be to try to give the most recent snippet of what our life experience is. The good and the bad, the the educated and the uneducated, the qualified and the unqualified. We're not here to give advice that people need to follow. We're not here to even suggest that people should follow the things we say. Uh, In fact, I think in a lot of cases we've tried along the way to be very aware of and even even shout out if we can uh, when we are breaching a topic that we may not be qualified to to do Um, so that being said i do feel that this podcast will extend beyond just being a professional discussion
1: i'm glad you answered in that manner and i just want to give our listeners a bit of a perspective we really didn't talk about what we were going to talk about today in any way shape or form before coming on i mean that's kind of how we treated the last six episodes we did too we wouldn't tell each other anything about what we wanted to talk about we just throw it on the table and everyone would react but um I'm I'm hoping that we can nerd out still, talk about some D&D, talk about Absolutely. some gaming. Absolutely. Absolutely we that. can. As long as that's still part of our current state. And I think it very much so is. In fact, I know it very much so is we still do the same dumb shit.
0: Oh yeah. No, <laughs> but, it, it a lot of it hasn't changed and I think that was why we didn't touch on those yeah. things as much today was because that is something that is truly a part of who we've become. And it's not at all to say that we don't have a lot to say about it. I think we could, we've just been talking for an hour. I think we could talk many more hours about any one of those, those things you just mentioned. And the reason why I think we focused in on a little bit of the change was not just because that's how we started, but because the the podcast is is a change. It's something that we've, we've been able to kind of re, redo in a way or bring back because of these changes that we've made and so it felt right to start it kind of where we left off in that sense of you know we have been enabled to do this because of the changes we've made so let's highlight some of those changes let's talk about them and now we can kind of go forward I think with a more a more holistic view of, of what we actually do. Because of course, you know, we talked a lot about profession, but we have many other hobbies, and, and we will get to those. Um, I think for today, if you're okay with it, Chase, we are, we are at almost
1: an hour. Yeah, of- I'm gonna be honest, I didn't think we were gonna fill the time. <laughs> yeah. I, I, we had no idea how long we were gonna be able to talk today, but I'm very, very, very excited uh, for this project to continue and I very much so appreciate all of our listeners who may be stuck around for two years or anybody new. Um, it'll be quite the ride, and we'll see how often these come out. I don't know yet, but we, Matt is in close proximity to me. Now I we am. can actually record together, and we might have some guests on sometimes. Um, so I guess that that's it for today. Thank you all for listening. This has been Matt Lee, our host, and Chase Panko. Absolutely. Signing off,
0: everyone.